Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 57 of If You Smell What the Arch Is Cooking. I am your host, Archie Mitchell, and I want to thank you guys once again for joining me on this epic ride as we review the wrestling of the modern era, which is AEW and NXT. Um, but quick show note tonight. Tonight will be an all AEW show because we are going to be looking at AEW's last pay-per-view from this past Sunday night, AEW's Forbidden Door. We'll be looking at AEW Dynamite and we'll be looking at AEW Rampage as well. Um, also, uh, we will we'll be looking at the card for this Saturday's WWE Money in the Bank. Uh, just like I did last uh, week, I will be uh, looking at what's going to be happening at Money in the Bank, letting you know what I think, and um, I mean, if it's worth watching, uh, because let's be honest, I'm about to eat crow uh, when I talk about AEW uh, Forbidden Door, because it was actually a really good pay-per-view. But um, we're going to look at Money in the Bank as well, and I'm going to let you know, as I said, if it's worth watching or not. Um, no quick hits this week, because last week, when we did the quick hits and I talked about an upcoming pay-per-view, it actually took longer than the quick hits. <laughs> so what we're going to do this week is we're going to go ahead and look at the card for Money in the Bank to start off our show. Money in the Bank will be coming to you live in the premium live event on Peacock this Saturday evening. And uh, this is the card. We've got a WWE Raw Women's Championship match between Bianca Belair, the champion, and her replacement challenger, Carmella. This was originally supposed to be Rhea Ripley, who won a fatal four-way in order to earn the shot at the title. Uh, Rhea got injured and um, had to pull out. So Carmella won a battle royal um, on Monday Night Raw and is now the challenger. Honestly, and truthfully, I think this is a fantastic matchup. Bianca Belair versus Rhea Ripley should really be held off to until SummerSlam. It is a bigger matchup. It is a big money card matchup. Both women coming up through the ranks of NXT together deserve to be on the main roster at the biggest stage that they possibly can. With SummerSlam coming up in about a month, no better place. Carmella, on the other hand, a former WWE Women's Champion, former Money in the Bank winner. She has come a long way. She is a great uh, wrestler nowadays, a uh, long way coming from when she was in NXT. She's deserving of a title match, and I think that her and Bianca are actually going to put on a hell of a matchup here. It may even be a show stealer uh, not being one of the latter matches. Um, you know, in any indication, you hate for a wrestler like Rhea Ripley to get injured. I believe it was something to do with her teeth and a slight concussion. Um, but hopefully the match still goes off without a hitch. And we actually get to see, as I said, one hell of a women's title matchup. Speaking of the women's titles, the one on over on SmackDown that will be defended as well. We're getting Natalia versus Ronda Rousey. Uh, Ronda Rousey is the SmackDown Women's Champion since beating Charlotte, and I believe this will be her third title defense since defeating Charlotte. First two coming on SmackDown, uh, she's beaten uh, challengers. I believe it was Shotzi Blackheart and uh, Raquel Gonzalez. Uh, so, you know, 
she's actually had a decent run this time around as champion. What I don't like about this matchup is I don't understand Natalia being put into the title picture. I understand that Natalia goes by her whole I'm the best of all time though uh, monarch, and I get that she is deserving at times of title matches, but when you come off of being nowhere near a television uh, screen for like the last two months, and then just all of a sudden now you're challenging for a title, it's a little ridiculous. Um, I know what you're going to say. Well, Carmella hasn't really been that active on Raw as well. Yes, but they at least gave her a battle royal to win in order to get a shot at Bianca. Natalia just decided to walk up and say, I deserve a shot. Now, the last time Natalia and Ronda Rossi were together, Natalia was in Ronda's corner and then turned on her and they did have a match. Ronda won, hands down. This time around, though, uh, Natalia tried to in, uh, imitate Ronda, came out with a baby stroller. Ronda came out, destroyed Natty on the microphone, talking about all the uh, modifications she's had through plastic surgery and constantly showing off her tits on Instagram. Ronda owned her in that promo. But then Natty countered by beating the crap out of Ronda with a baby stroller. It was just bad. <laughs> I kind of hope that this was a quick 10-minute match and Ronda does get the win here. Uh, in any indication, though, those are the two women's title matches. Uh, what I'm also hoping for, though, is because we do have a women's Money in the Bank ladder match, and that will be against Lacey Evans, Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, Raquel Gonzalez, Asuka, Shotzi Blackheart, and Becky Lynch. What I'm hoping is whoever wins the women's Money in the Bank match Cashes in during the SmackDown women's title match. Uh, odds are the women's money in the bank match is going to be the lead off uh, for the show. Um, so whoever wins the, the title, uh, the, the, the briefcase is going to uh, be holding it for a little while before hopefully the SmackDown women's title match. And in any indication, I'm kind of hoping she cashes in on Ronda. And I'm hoping, in my opinion, that it's. Becky Lynch. Becky and Ronda can start back up their feud. Becky steals the title from Ronda, and they feud into SummerSlam and maybe even after. The dark horse in all of this, is, of course, is Raquel uh, Rodriguez. I called her Gonzalez because that's what she was known as in NXT. I guess they changed her name recently. Uh, she is the dark horse pick because she's been doing the most on the SmackDown roster. Uh, over on Raw with Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, uh, Asuka. And, of course, Becky Lynch. All four of them have kind of been in matches with each other for the last couple of months. Interchangeable, being put into match after match after match. It's been pretty good, though. They've had some decent outings. Shotzi Blackheart uh, is definitely a dark horse pick as well. In that, If she were to win it, I don't know if she'd have a successful cash in, though. Because you never know what the WWE is thinking about Shotzi. She was doing great in NXT. They let her hold, hold the women's tag team titles there for a little bit. And then she got brought, brought into the main roster, and we all know how that went. So, uh, And, of course, there is Lacey Evans, whose career has just been crap the last couple of months. I mean, let's be honest here. She came back. She did all those promos. She was a child of abuse. Her father was an alcoholic. They got away from her. God bless her. I'm happy to hear that. 
and then why she was how she was a Marine and everything. And then they had her debut on Raw, and then they had her debut on SmackDown, and then back to Raw, and then back to SmackDown. They just don't know what to do with her. It's been a lot of junk. So I don't think that they're going to put the money in the bank briefcase in her hands. But then again, this is the WWE, and you never know. The undisputed tag team titles will also be on the line. Uh, and it will be the Usos defending both sets of Raw and SmackDown World Tag Team titles against the Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins, and Montez Ford. Uh, I like this match, but what I don't like is we've seen it before. New Day, Usos, and Street Profits have been three of the most interchangeable tag teams in the WWE in the last six months. They mixed in Chad Gable and Otis a couple of times, but then they abruptly pulled them away to put them in the Kevin Owens and Ezekiel feud. Um, it's just been these three tag teams. I thank God that um, the Viking Raiders came back in a more serious role and actually want to be a part of the tag team division again um, and hopes that they get a shot at the Usos or whoever the tag team titles are around the waist of. Uh, by the time they earn a shot, I'm, I'm sure they're going to put on a hell of a match. So I'm sure the Usos and the Street Profits will put on one hell of a tag team match. But we've probably seen it two times already in them putting on a four or five star classic. So I'm no David Meltzer. I'm not trying to give, you know, uh, you know, a star rating here by any sense of the means. But I just I'm hating the recycled garbage that we've been getting from WWE. Uh, also, the United States Championship will be on the line. Austin Theory will be defending against Bobby Lashley. Um, a couple of weeks ago, because of this feud, Raw ended in a pose down. We haven't had a pose down uh, since like 2002 when Scott Steiner was there and battling Triple H. <laughs> um, it wasn't fun. It wasn't good. Austin Theory's beat the crap out of Bobby Lashley. Since then, Lashley's been beating the hell out of everybody to get the Theory. It hasn't really been that compelling of a story. Bobby Lashley is a two-time world heavyweight champion, and now they have him battling Austin Theory. And you can tell me that he's Vince McMahon's boy, handpicked, and, you know, this is a great, great showing for Theory, and he's been a great champion. No, he hasn't. Uh, he's been one step down of being the Miz's uh, lackey, in my opinion. Uh, the Miz is so far up, up the card, and then... Theory is just like, you know, he could be the next, um, what was the guy's name? Alex Riley, in my opinion. But whatever case, he's the U.S. champion. Bobby Lashley is going to wrestle him. And I think Lashley is going to cut right through him and win the United States Championship. But if he really is Vince's boy, then you never know, ladies and gentlemen. He might, just might retain through DQ or whatever and move on to whoever his next challenger is. Finally, we come to the men's Money in the Bank match. I'm assuming this is going to be the main event, and here's why I am assuming. There is no World Heavyweight title match. Roman Reigns is not defending the title. He is set to defend the title at SummerSlam against Brock Lesnar again. So, I'm assuming the men's Money in the Bank ladder match will be the main event. we got Seth freaking Rollins, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Omos, Sami Zayn, Riddle, and a blank spot to be determined, which could end up being Kevin Owens, Ezekiel, or who knows. The last time there was a blank spot, it was Brock Lesnar. <laughs> and he won the Money in the Bank match at the last second. 
So, uh, in my opinion, if they were going to give the money in the bank to anyone, it should be Drew McIntyre. The guy has earned it. He has been busting his ass for that company since the days of COVID and being in the Thunderdome. So, I mean, let's face it, Sheamus uh, has been money in the bank before. Uh, and he did cash in successfully on Roman Reigns. I don't think they'll allow that to happen again. Seth Rollins doesn't need the briefcase to get a title shot. Omos is still too green, and if they did give him the the briefcase, he'd probably lose it down the line the way Otis did. Sami Zayn, I mean, he could win it. I just don't see it. Uh, only because Sami Zayn, in my opinion, is not a, a reasonable threat to the World Heavyweight Championship. Matt Riddle, I could see Riddle holding the briefcase, but I mean, he'll probably have some weed in it. So, <laughs> in any indication, if it were me, I'd put it on Drew McIntyre. If we're WWE, though, they're probably going to put it on Seth Rollins. And that's fine, too. But Money in the Bank seems like it has a credible card with the lack of World Heavyweight title match. And uh, yes, I will be watching this Saturday. I watch every pay-per-view whether it be WWE or AEW. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that it should be a, a decent show. Will it be the best money in the bank they've ever put on? No. Will it be in the middle somewhere? Probably. Will it be horrendous? It could very well be. You never know. But we will have to wait until Saturday and find out. Moving on to AEW's Forbidden Door. And again, I said I'm going to eat pro. Because when I talked about this last week, I shipped this card up, except for maybe two matches. And guess what? One of the matches I shit up more than anything was the match of the night. So let's get into it. Opening match, Eddie Kingston, Shota, and Wheeler taking on Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki. Fine opener here. A little bit of a clusterfuck, I won't lie. It was like... Stop the pin, stop the pin, stop the pin. Every five seconds, somebody was jumping in the ring that shouldn't have been there. Uh, but Suzuki, seeing Suzuki and Kingston was fantastic. Jericho and Kingston together were doing some great things. And the young Skishota, Wheeler, and Guevara were unbelievable in that ring. Great opening contest. Second match, FTR taking on Jeff Cobb, the great Ocon, and Rapungi Vice with both the IWGP and Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles on the line. And this was fantastic. Seeing Dax Hardwood get flipping from ringside and seeing Cash Wheeler having to fight in that ring by himself, holding off his opponents as best as he could, seeing Rapungi Vice do the things that they did in that ring, such as their finisher to a guy the size of Jeff Cobb. And Jeff Cobb and the great Ocon are a fantastic tag team. This was a great three-way tag team matchup. Dax Hardwood coming back into the ring and fighting off the paramedics and getting to the ring after they taped up his shoulder. That showed hard. And in the end, FDR are now holding three very monumental tag team titles. They are the AAA World Tag Team Champions. They are the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, and they are now the IWGP World Tag Team Champions. So bring on the AEW Gold and the Young Bucks. Let's put all the belts above the ring in a damn ladder match 
and let's see who walks away with all of them. Because the Bucks have held those belts as well, and they are the AEW World Tag Team Champions. This was a fantastic three-way match, though. All three teams did a great job. Fatal four-way for the All-Atlantic title. Hawk, Miro, Alistair Black, and Paul uh, Connors. Connors was put into this match strictly so that the AEW guys didn't have to take too many bumps and didn't have to eat the 10. But Pac, Miro, and Black did a fantastic job. I know I'm using that word a lot, fantastic, but this was a great show. Um, Alistair Black is becoming a beast, and I love the way that he has transitioned his style to a more dark and ominous place. Um, Miro is a absolute tear uh, right now. He is on a tear. Every move that he does is crisp. Everything that he's doing in the ring looks fantastic. Again, I use that same word, fantastic. Um, Miro needed that little bit of time off. Muted his injury, came back a new man. And Pop, what more can I say about the man that gravity forgot, the bastard Pop? He does things in the air that no man has ever done. He is doing things in that ring that no one has ever seen. And he is deserving of being the first All-Atlantic champion. Pac winning the title was uh, definitely a sight for sore eyes because the last time the man held gold was when he was the Dragon Gate champion, and that belt kept him from coming to uh, AEW. So congratulations to Pac on winning the first AEW All-Atlantic championship and a great job in the Fatal 4-Way. He then come to a six-man tag match. The Bucks, uh, now Phantasma, taking on Darby Allen's thing, and Shingo Takagi. Uh, I did not like Sting's entrance and opening with him jumping off the uh, ramp, you know, on top of the archway. Um, that man is 60 years old. He does not need to be doing things like that. I don't know if he wanted to, or Tony Khan asked him to, or Darby Allen maybe punched him into it. But whatever the case, it just looked crazy. And I get it, it was supposed to look crazy, but we don't want to lose Sting. So maybe we need to stop making him jump off of things. At least until Jeff Hardy gets back anyway. Uh, the Bucks and Phantasma did a great job. Alan is Alan. He is a human demolition derby. I guess that's why his name is Derby Allen. <laughs> and Shingo Takagi proved what we've been missing in the United States is Japanese wrestling. He is an absolute monster in that ring. Um, the face team got the win, rightfully so. Uh, but the Bucks and, and El Phantasma are showing what the Bullet Club can do uh, because they had control a majority of the matchup. He then went to the women's title match, Thunder Rosa taking on Tony Storm. I mentioned that this match had no storyline going into it. It was rushed, and they only made the match with like two weeks to go. Um, and let's be honest. It was an okay match. It wasn't anything that great. I've read reports of people saying this was the show stealer. By no means in any way, shape, or form. Thunderosa was great in the ring. Tony Storm was okay. They had wrestled a decent 15-minute match. The main focus was that Thunderosa has been training more and more with Dustin Rhodes. And she ended up winning the match with Dustin's finisher. It was okay, though. I've read what David Meltzer, Dave Meltzer gave. This match at 2.5 stars. I kind of think he overreached a little bit. Maybe this was a two-star match. But again, I'm not a, a fan of star ratings. Uh, I give away numbered ratings, not stars. And then we come to the match that stole the show, in my opinion. And it was the match I shit on the most. 
Willow Spray taking on Orange Cassidy. I did not expect this much from Orange Cassidy. He is a comedy wrestler. Yes, he can do things in the ring. He can jump. He can fly. He does flippy things. But I did not expect him to do this much. The guy's whole gimmick is him being lazy. Well, he and Will Ospreay brought out the absolute best in each other. Seeing him mimic Ospreay and make jokes at Ospreay's uh, expense. And the outright, outlandish, stu- stupefied look on Will's face was great. Um, and there were a couple times I thought Arn Cassidy was going to win the United States Championship. But Will Ospreay continued to fight back, pulled out a Stormbreaker, pulled out that elbow to the back of the head that he hits. He finally got the win, and I think this match should have ended in a handshake, if anything. Uh, But the fans were really on their feet for it. I was cheering myself, and I think this was an absolute great matchup, uh, and that Willow Spray should be staying in the United States, in my opinion. If if AEW, Tony Khan, can uh, sign Will to a contract, and bring him to the United States, by all means, they need to do so. Because we need to see that weekly. Zack Sabre Jr. finally found out who Daniel Bryan's hand-picked opponent was for him, and it was that of the former Cesaro, Claudio Castagnoli, is what they announced him as, his original name uh, on the independent scene. And Zack Sabre can go, but Claudio, that man has brute strength, quick ability, and a tolerance for pain that I have never seen. These two guys ate each other up the whole matchup, and in the end, Claudio got the win, and I think it was the right choice. You got a new guy coming in, um, and yes, it's Zack Sabre. He's a great wrestler, but Zack Sabre can afford to lose to a wrestler the caliber of Claudio and not have it hurt him in the long run. Uh, In the same regard, I think that bringing in a new wrestler to all elite and feeding him to a guy like Zack Sabre, and if Zack would have won, it wouldn't have done Claudio any favors. So this was the right choice. Fatal four-way for the IWGP World Heavyweight title was next. This was the semi-main event. We've got um, Jay White taking on Adam Page, taking on Adam Cole, taking on Okada. Okada, again, proving that Japanese wrestling is needed in the United States. We need these guys here, whether it be in AEW or in any other company, doing this on a constant. Now, I didn't mention the WWE in that because I think the WWE has stunted Shinsuke Nakamura and have not allowed him to progress in any way, shape, or form. So I don't want them in the WWE. But if any other company, including AEW, want to continue to bring guys like Okada, Osprey, Shingo into their mix, Please do. I have no problem with it. Adam Cole went down with an injury during this matchup, and he's basically at home now um, nursing it. And Adam Page and Jay White went crazy. These two guys were all over the ring, all over each other. That moonsault by Adam Page uh, was flawless. Jay White was... An incredible champion. He didn't sit out of the ring like a normal champion would do in a fatal four-way. 
and just allow his opponents to knock each other's block off. No, he fought the whole way. The lackluster finish we'll talk about a little later on, but in any case, great fatal four-way between these four. Jay White gets the win. I agree with it because he should be the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion for now until the Tokyo Dome. Uh, they, they need to keep this belt on him uh, until they get to uh, their New Year's Eve show. That's just the way it needs to be. And then we get to our main event. John Moxley taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi. This was a predictable main event. This was, in my opinion, not anything that special. We knew Moxley was going over. We knew he was going to bleed. We knew that Tanahashi was going to do everything he possibly could in the matchup, but come up just a little bit short. And that's exactly what happened. Tanahashi did not even look like he was about to become the world heavyweight champion at any point in time, though. Moxley was just that much more uh, quick to to kick out, kicking out at one, kicking out at quick twos. He just was not staying down. He was a man possessed. I don't know if that was the way they wanted to book him or if AEW just told Mox to go out there and win the title. No other, you know, nothing else to go on. But in any indication, this was very predictable. Moxley is now the interim AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Will he be the champion until Punk gets there? We're going to have to wait and find out. But in any indication, John Moxley walks out with the title. Highlights of the night, Shibata coming out after the Will Ospreay Orange Cassidy match. I am a huge, huge fan of Ketsutori Shibata. He is one of the best uncrowned world heavyweight champions I've ever seen. And what I mean by that is this man has had battles with everyone in New Japan and has never won the IWGP world heavyweight title. He is deserving of that title. He took a bad injury and quite some time off. Seeing him walk out to the ring and proving that he is 100% back in the world of professional wrestling made me very, very happy. The Will Ospreay Orange Cassidy matchup stole the show. Absolutely incredible. That was a highlight for me indefinitely. Lowlights of the night. The sudden endings of the women's title and IWGP title matches. Thunder Rosa hit the finisher like out of nowhere and just got the pin. I thought there was at least another five minutes left in that match. But what are you going to do? And again, as I said, the IWGP title match ended so quickly. I believe it was because of Adam Cole's injury. But Cole wasn't even the one who took the pin. So I'm not understanding what went on there. Um, And Sting's entrance. That, for me, was a low light. Um, In any indication, I give this show a 4.5 out of 5. Almost perfect, but just missing that little something extra. What could have been maybe a Daniel Bryan, a CM Punk, you know, any of the injured guys who went out and got, you know, taken out and could not compete, or maybe a, a bigger presence of uh, New Japan uh, in that allowing guys like Shingo and, and you know, Sabre and a few others to show off just a little bit more. But still a good show. I did enjoy it, and I, I will admit when I'm wrong, I thought this was going to be a lackluster pay-per-view. It was absolutely great. Moving on to AEW Dynamite. We start off going to the ring. That's the way I like to start off the show. Orange Cassidy taking on Ethan Page. And this is the Orange Cassidy I'm accustomed to. Um, the jokester. 
you know, he grabbed a bottle of orange juice out of Dan Lambert's hand, drank it, and then spit it in Dan Lambert's face a little while later. He did the slow kicks and the slow slaps to Lambert and to Paige. Paige looked like he had the match won with his uh, ego edge. But, um, no, he got Orange Cassidy got his hands in the pockets and then won the match with a body slam. I don't remember the last time I've seen a match won with a body slam, but that's fine. Christian Cage then cut a promo. Uh, he was supposed to apologize for what he said to Jungle Boy, but he did not. In fact, he piled more dirt onto the grave that is Jungle Boy. Uh, and then he brought out Luchasaurus, who is now heel and donning all black, which I thought was very cool. Um, I, I think that Luchasaurus needed a heel turn to change things up a bit for himself, especially if Jungle Boy is going to be out for so long. They needed to uh, give Lucha a, a definite change. He comes to the ring. He battles Serpentico in a one-on-one matchup. Gets the win in about three minutes using the snare trap, which is Jungle Boy's finisher, and um, puts a little difference on it with a chokehold at the ending. So Luchasaurus gets a win. Scorpio Sky then went face-to-face with Wardlow. They will have a match for the TNT title next week, and it will be a no-hold-barred match. So that will be interesting to see what goes on there. The Gun Club and Max Caster then took on Dan Housen and his mystery tag team partners, FTR. Uh, this was a little bit of a cluster. Um, Anthony Bowens is no longer injured because he used his crutch and accidentally hit uh, Austin Gunn over the head with it. Uh, FTR and Dan Housen got the win. But, I mean, it wasn't a terrible six-man tag. I've seen worse. I'm just not loving the Gun Club and um, Max Caster and Anthony Bowens anymore. I mean, it was, wasn't really that funny when they first started. It's not getting any funnier as the joke goes on. Seeing Billy Gunn take the side of uh, Max Caster and Anthony Bowens after the matchup and pushing his own son to the ground. Um, yeah, that's... Um, no, I'm, I'm going to be a no for that one unless we want to put that on dark or rampage. Uh, we see a vignette featuring Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dunn, and Sting, the giant that they've got with them. And Lethal says that he needs Samoa Joe to sign the contract for the World Television title match for... Um, the Ring of Honor pay-per-view that's coming up. I think Lethal and Joe will be a fantastic matchup. Again, I use that word fantastic. We should do me a favor. If you comment on the uh, Facebook page for if you smell what the arch is cooking, um, let me know how many times I said that word this week. Thank you. Uh, we see Jade Cargill taking on Layla Gray. PBS title is on the line, and Cargill gets the win after a pretty decent matchup. Layla Gray proved that she can... Hang in the ring with the TBS champion, but Cargill gets a very good win using her jaded slam. After the matchup, they uh, call out Ember Moon or Athena and uh, Chris Satlander. They hit the ring. Uh, they're beating down Jade Cargill and Kira Hogan, and then Layla Gray joins the baddies, presumably, uh, much to the hatred of Jade Cargill because. She then pushed Layla away after all of a sudden done. I, I didn't get it. Young Bucks cut a promo and say they no longer have any friends because Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Adam Cole are all out with injuries. But what about Kenny? He's out with an injury too. Uh, they still have the World Tag Team titles, though. Those are their best friends. And um, they challenge Goto and Hashi to a matchup on Rampage. 
So the New Japan guys are still in the United States, and they're going to get a shot at the World Tag Team titles on Rampage this week. Not bad. That brings us to our main event, Blood and Guts, the reason we all got here. And it is the Jericho Appreciation Society, dumbest name ever, taking on the Blackpool Combat Club, possibly the second dumbest name ever. Uh, and it's Blood and Guts. We've got Cesaro, Claudio Castagnoli, uh, going up against Sammy Guevara. GSA get a one-man uh, advantage. In comes Mag Daddy, Magic, whatever the fuck his name is, 2.0 guy. The ring starts to fill up. Jericho's the last one for the JSA to enter. Eddie Kingston is fuming as he's the last one to enter on his side of the ring. And then, boom, Eddie's in the ring. He goes after Jericho. He's hitting everybody with a kendo stick. He finally gets to Jericho. Gets cut off. Everyone is bleeding like a stuffed pig. I've never seen this much blood in one single matchup. And I've watched the original War Games uh many of times. But it was still a really, really good match. Um, they go to the top of the cage. Sam McGuire and Jericho. Eddie Kingston pushed Sammy Guevara off the top of the cage. He goes through a table. It was so much better than when Jericho went through the entrance ramp last year uh, during the other Blood and Guts match. Sammy took the bump like a champ. Eddie begins beating the crap out of Jericho. Here comes Matt Menard again. Uh, Cesaro cuts him off. Claudio. Uh, they both put them in submission maneuvers. Claudio has Menard in his version of the sharpshooter. Jared goes in Eddie Kingston's arm and neck lock. Matt Menard taps, and the Blackpool Combat Club gets the win. Eddie's a little bewildered that he did not make Jared go tap or could not get a Jared go to make him bleed, but he's just happy that he won. And Dynamite goes off the air with the entire Blackpool Combat Club minus Ortiz. Or was it Santana? Santana, excuse me. Minus Santana. Uh, who went down with an injury earlier in the match, some kind of knee injury that he could not carry, uh, climb to the top of the cage and celebrate with the rest of his team. Um, highlights of the night, Christian Cage's promo and Luchasaurus's turn. Um, there were really no lowlights. Um, you know, there were a couple, the Gun Club and, and Caster against Dan Housen and FTR, and, of course, um, you know, Luchasaurus could have had a little bit longer of a match, but I guess they wanted to build him as a monster. But in all honesty, though, I'm giving this show a 3.5 out of 5. There should have been a bigger feeling from the beginning of the night, and coming off a pay-per-view should have added to that. It being blood and guts, I think there should have been more done to give this a big fight feeling, other than JR coming out at the main event and only being involved in that matchup. Reports say that JR is now being moved to Rampage, and that Taz and Excalibur are going to just be calling Dynamite by themselves. Just the two of them and Tony Giovanni will intermingle in. I understand JR's age is starting to get there, and he's not doing the absolute best job. But in any indication, having JR there for Blood and Guts was not the only way to make this a big fight match feeling. So we now go to Rampage, and we have three matches. Nyla Rose taking on Tony Storm, which was actually a very good outing for both women. Nyla Rose has slowly started to calm down. 
and uh, allow herself to uh, not hurt people so badly and not botch as much. That is a good thing. And Tony Storm had a better matchup here than she did at AEW's Forbidden Door. Um, Tony got the win after a nice finisher. Uh, couldn't believe she actually got Nyla up for the way that she did. But in any case, both women did a fantastic job. Again, saying the word again, give me a running tally if you can. Let me know how many times you said the word fantastic tonight. Second matchup of the night, the Young Bucks taking on Goto and Hashi with the AEW World Tag Team titles on the line. The Young Bucks shined as only they can. And of course, by that, I mean there was a super huge party. And a lot of over-the-top flipping maneuvers. Goto, a powerhouse, showing off that strength as only he can. And Hashi showing off his speed. But he has slowed down slightly because of being a man his age. In any case, though, both teams had a great showing here. The Young Bucks got the win and retained the World Tag Team titles. And that brings us to our main event. The Royal Rampage, a battle royal between quite a bit of AEW stars going at it for a shot at the interim World Tag World Heavyweight Championship held by John Moxley. And to my surprise, this matchup was won by Brody King of the Black, the House of Black. Brody King is, um, for a man his size, getting able to get up and do the high-flying spots that he does and the sheer power that he shows off it blows my mind every time. He is a mix of Brody Lee. He is a mix of Bruiser Brody. And he is definitely a mix of Stan Hansen, all wrapped into one. He gets the win. He will be challenging John Moxley down the road for a shot at the interim AEW World Heavyweight title. He'll be challenging John Moxley. And I have to say, I'm happy because AEW showing here that they're looking to make new stars, giving Brody King a shot is definitely a way to do just that. Good job, AEW. I'm giving Rampage a five out of five because it was all highlights. They did their best this week. Definitely a great night on Rampage with three great matches. Brody King receiving a push and then finally finding a way to make the one hour work. Fantastic in my book. Well done, AEW. Glad to see you guys finally got the right mix and match of things going on for this one-hour show. Now, AEW did a fantastic job. Next week, it will be WWE's time to shine. Why? Well, it will be an all-WWE show. I'll be looking at WWE Money in the Bank, and I will be looking at a review for NXT's Great American Bash. That will be happening on Tuesday in the regular time slot on the USA Network, but it should be still a fantastic show. The one match that I do know will be happening will be Cameron Grimes challenging for the NXT title um, against Braun Breaker. So I cannot wait for that. AEW, though, had a great week of wrestling with Forbidden Door. Dynamite Rampage, great job by everybody on the AEW and New Japan roster. And, um, yeah, there are no uh, grinds my gears this week. Uh, I'm going to take a week off from that because 
there wasn't really anything that happened this week that really pissed me off. I mean, there were a couple of things, but nothing for me to fly off the handle about. Know what I mean? So, thank you, as always, for joining me on another edition of If You Smell What The Art Is Cooking. And thank you for continuing to stay on this ride with me. And I will talk to you, not see you, but talk to you next week on If You Smell What The Arch Is Cooking.